The sponsor for the Shepherd's Crook podcast for the month of March is Buck Knives. Every hunter knows that it's not about the success, it's about the pursuit. The Pursuit series of fixed blade and folding knives by Buck has you covered. Proudly made in the USA, the Pursuit series is available in two sizes, large and small, with or without the gut hook. The non-slip handle will keep your knife comfortably in hand while you process your harvest. Gear up for the season at BuckKnives.com. While you're there, use the promo code BUCK20 at the checkout and save an extra 20%. This offer is only for a limited time, and it expires June 1st of 2020, and it's valid only at BuckKnives.com. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. It is episode 81. Hope you're doing well today. This morning, I want to talk to you about the beauty of church discipline. Yeah, You heard that correctly, the beauty of church discipline. Let's pray. Lord, I need wisdom, as always, as I do these recordings. And I just ask that you would help me to equip people to understand in greater detail, maybe, or get reacquainted with the concept of church discipline. Jesus, I thank you for giving us this. I thank you that it's modeled in your word in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And I just ask that you would... uh, that you would help people see the priority of this and how wonderful it actually is and that it does work. And we just trust you. Help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before we get into talking about the incredibly riveting topic of church discipline, I want to let you know about the new giveaway. Buck Knives is a company that's a massive company, but they've been working with me for the last couple years. They've got a Christian history. It was a pastor who started the knife company in the basement of his church. And they have been working with us, and this month we're doing a two-knife giveaway. We got the Pursuit series, and so if you're a hunter, even if you're not a hunter, the knives are coated in this really good material that's a non-slip material, and so when you're gutting a deer or when you're doing anything, like if you're in the water, say if you're floating on a float trip or something like that, this knife is not going to slip from your hands. Your hand's not going to slip down and, and get cut or anything like that. If it's bloody, it's going to do its work. The first knife is the Pursuit series. It's a fixed blade. The second knife is a gut hook knife, and so you can get in that hide and pull that knife down and cut that hide wide open when you're when you're field dressing the deer or whatever else you're field dressing. So check that out. You can get on the Facebook links or check it out on Instagram and you can sign up for that giveaway. Make sure to go and check out some knives. If you're in for a everyday carry or something like that, go and get the 55 or I carry the Buck 112 during the wintertime and there's just tons of good knives. Pretty cool stuff. Okay, church discipline. The reason I'm talking about this is that there's a fresh example of this that just played out yesterday at our church. But first, let's define what we're talking about here. In a culture of cowards, truth is hate speech. You can't say the truth to people in a loving way, even if it's in a loving way in our society today at large, because it's viewed as hate speech. The the expected norm across the world, it seems, is unlimited affirmation. Affirm me, affirm me, affirm me. And friendship today is measured by getting people around us to affirm us. If anybody won't affirm my decisions, well, my goodness, how are you? How dare you to step on my toes? But biblical friendship, real friendship, and adults just know that that's different, should anyways, that true friendship requires getting each other's face every once in a while, holding each other accountable to the things that we say. It's not healthy to gather people around us, peer groups that just get around and praise us and affirm us and yada, yada, yada. 
And Jesus tells us exactly what to do in Matthew 18 when somebody, a brother, is caught in sin. And church discipline specifically is in the area of Christians, Christians dealing with other Christians, how to confront the sins of another. And surely we've got to keep in mind Ephesians chapter 4, truth and love, but but typically people err in one of those things. If you just if it just gets your juices flowing to call people out in sin and, and hypocrisy, then there's something wrong with you. But if you're too cowardly to ever confront anybody because you want to be loving, well then you actually hate people. Because all love and no confronting is not actually love. If you love somebody, you'll love them enough to hold them accountable to what they say and hold them accountable to God's word. And here's the deal. We care more about Jesus' reputation, we should, than our own. And so we're willing to, if need be, confront people in their sin for the sake of Christ and his name at the expense of us and our name. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. Let me just pause for a second. The example that played out over the last couple years in our life, in our church, and me my life personally, was a dear friend of mine that I actually got to pray with to receive Christ about five years ago in my church office. And I got to baptize this gentleman and then disciple him. And he was loving the word. He was following Christ, loving his family. And things were going really well for about two years. And then uh, it was March of 2018. We get a call and this friend of mine was making some really terrible decisions really abruptly. And what we found out later is that this had been building up over time. But he had been sinning and sinning against his wife and and other people in his life. And it came to the surface and it was brought to our attention. And it wasn't direct sin against me personally. It was indirect sin against me. And so much so that it required me confronting it as if it was direct sin against me because of the situation at hand. And so as a pastor of our church... I have to guard the deposit entrusted to me, and so I have to address this to be faithful to Jesus. I'm a shepherd of sheep. And so I go and I talk to this man between he and me, and we do we just talk alone. And I confronted his sin. And the text says, Jesus says, If he listens to you, you've gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So that's exactly what we had to do. He didn't listen to me, and so I brought a co-pastor, and we went and talked to this man. And he did not listen. And so the next step in verse 17 in Matthew 18, if he refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile or tax collector. Now he goes on to talk about the keys of the kingdom that were given to Peter in chapter 16 and now given to the church, the authority over membership. And I remember going through this process with my friend and it was agonizing. And every step of the way, my brother was not responding in the way that was right. He was rejecting it, and he was turning, and he was walking away. And we ended up having to bring it to the church, and we had to excommunicate him and treat him as a tax collector and sinner, which is now our prayers started to change. God would bring our friend back to Christ, that he would be converted. We were treating him as a non-believer at that point. And it was agonizing, because everything seemed so genuine. Everything seemed so real with him. And so there was a break of contact for about... Uh, a year or so. This gentleman's name was still in my phone. I just saw him when I'd open my phone. I just kept him in my favorites and I'd be praying for him and thinking about him. And it was just so hard. There's another instance about this. It's not just Matthew 18 and in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And he addressed the situation where the man was sleeping with his father's wife and he was arrogant about it. The church in Corinth were accepting it. It was sexual sin that wasn't addressed and it was just affirmed. 
Does that sound like today? It was just the affirmation of stupid, sinful, horrific choices. And Paul would not affirm the sexual ethic of the church in Corinth. And he addressed it and said, hey, uh, deliver this man to Satan. The decision's already made. You should be mourning and you should remove him from your midst. And then he says in verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or the swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. What we're talking about is people who bear the name of Christ. We are to hang out with people who don't bear the name of Christ. We're not to treat somebody who doesn't know Jesus as if they do. But for those who bear the name brother, we are to confront this sin in a loving way because we care about the name of Christ. We're not going to associate with a brother who is in open rebellion. And as a quick caveat, it's really important for us to know that distinction. Struggling with sin is not the same thing as embracing sin and asking a Christian community to embrace that sin. There is a cataclysmic difference between struggling with sin, fighting sin, continuing to battle sin, and embracing sin, loving sin, and asking the Christian community to embrace it with you, which is exactly what the LGBTQ crowd who claims to know Christ is doing. It's as foolish and ridiculous as a man in adultery asking the church to affirm his adulterous relationships. Okay, So we are not to put up with that sort of behavior. So we address this behavior with this gentleman. Fast forward a year, and we mutually at the same time were trying to reach out to each other. And I got a hold of my friend, and we just wept together. And he repented to me on the phone. It was amazing. And he had been walking in guilt and condemnation and shame, and there was just a a lot of damage that was in the wake of the decisions that he had made. Come to find out, there were several factors that you don't need to know about that played into it, but he did make those decisions, and he accepted everything sinful that he did. And he confessed it, repented of it, and there was unbelievable, Just it was just a great phone call. I was weeping for the rest of the day just because it was so amazing. And Jordan and Ransom were saying, Jared, you got to get a hold of yourself here. Just quit crying here. They're just getting annoyed because I was just so overwhelmed with joy. It was amazing. Well, this man said that I want to come and publicly confess to the church and publicly repent and be restored into good fellowship. And so my friend drove, and just this Sunday, just just yesterday, we had a restoration time during the service where this man confronted our church and repented, and we got to restore him to church fellowship. It was absolutely amazing. Friends, pastors, I'm pleading with you, take church discipline serious. Jesus tells us how to address sin in the church. And so often, I mean, I've been told time and time again, I've told you guys, the listeners, about situations in my past before where people looked at me and said, well, that doesn't work, talking about Matthew 18. And I think what they're referencing is that it doesn't work like it worked this time, in this instance, all the time. Because that's true, that it doesn't work like this, quote-unquote, work. But when we do what Jesus says, regardless of if, if we get the results we want or not, that's working. If we're doing it the biblical way, that's working. And then if you're listening in, I've been finding that there's some non-believers that have been listening to the show and, and reaching out to me. And if you think, man, this is all foreign, let me just ask you this. Do you have anybody that loves you enough, that loves you enough to confront you? And in a Christian community, you may say, well, the Christian community, is judge, judge, they're just judgmental and they just don't care. Well, welcome in to a group of people that would, and I would plead with you, join, come get connected at a church, find out about Jesus. Because it's Jesus who commissioned us to do this. And it's not judging people outside of the church. If you found people doing that, I'm sure there are Christians doing that. But 
what I'm calling people to do, and pastors in particular to do, as this is a podcast for men who are pastors, do the right thing, obey Jesus, confront sin, and then let others confront sin in you, and then just see God work. It's an amazing thing. When we take God's word seriously, we will see the beauty, for instance, of things like church discipline. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.